My name is Jaquez McNeil, and I finished writing the book, Life Happens, 30 Strategies for Triumphant Living. Welcome to Please Finish Your Book, the show where busy people became published authors. Listen as they share their story, along with practical tips that you can use to get your book finished. Now, here's your host and Fitbit fanatic, John P. Thank you, Erica. And thank you, authors and soon-to-be-published authors, for listening, rating, reviewing, sharing, and subscribing to the show. For those who haven't subscribed yet or rated the show yet, please do so. Subscribing ensures that you don't miss an episode, and rating the show on iTunes helps other people find the show. Thank you in advance for doing both of those. Yeah, I'm a Fitbit fanatic. It keeps track of my fitness activity each day, all the way down to the number of steps that I take. Before I got my first Fitbit back in December of 2010, I used to wear a pedometer because my mom, every time I went home to visit, she would take me on these long walks and she didn't realize how long the walks were. She just wanted to enjoy the outdoors and talk. So I bought a pedometer to show her how far we're actually walking. Today's guest also loves to walk. She also founded the Witness Book Club. She's a licensed evangelist, motivational speaker, corporate image consultant, corporate trainer, and instructional designer. Please listen closely as Jaquez McNeil shares her book, story, experience, and advice with finishing a book. But first, check out this review from someone who's already read her book. My name is Alina. The book is Life Happens, 30 Strategies for a Triumphant Living. What really captured me was I was able to hear for 30 days things that would help transform my life. I really enjoyed this book. It's been an inspiration and a motivation for my life. Thank you. So, Jaquiz, how you doing? Great. How are you, John? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, before we get into your book, we're going to do an icebreaker. Okay. And the icebreaker is called, What Do You Prefer? I'll ask you 10 random this or that questions mm-hmm. and just pick one, whichever one comes to mind. Okay. You sure. ready? All right. Spicy or mild? Mild. The library or the internet? Library. Car or truck? Oh, car. <laughs> Pancake or waffle? Oh, I'm gluten-free, so it has to be gluten-free. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Cake or pie? Pie. Ocean or mountain? Ocean. Mm, motorcycle or bicycle? Bicycle. Ice cream or frozen yogurt? Frozen yogurt. Online shopping or shopping in a store? I need to be there and fit the touches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. Movie at home or movie at the theater? I love the theater. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going to get into your book now. Great. Give us a little synopsis of what this book is about. Sure. Life Happens, 30 Strategies for Triumphant Living. It is a 30-day de- devotional, and it's words of encouragement that provide hope to the reader when they face unpredictable events. Life is always happening. Challenging things are always occurring in our lives. But this book is designed to provide encouragement. I share stories and what I did to overcome those challenging things that happened in my life and how I was able to triumph through it. Who was this book written for? The audience that I was thinking of, it was women between the ages of 
of 30 and 55 or 60. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to jump into the book. Sure. Could you tell me what the power of me time actually is? Sure. The power of me time. Uh, it is me time is is critical for us and many times we're pouring into the lives of others uh, but we don't take time for us and the power of me time simply talks about the importance of us setting aside time for ourselves I start each chapter with a scripture and the scripture that I started for this chapter is Mark 6 30 through 32 and it says come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. I start by saying um, that scripture highlights specific times that Jesus found it necessary to get away. And uh, I highlight three of those times. And so me time is about us getting away us being refreshed, us being restored, so that when we come back to the workplace, when we come back to our families, when we come back to those things that we are required to do, we'll really have the energy, we'll have the focus, we'll have everything that we need to be able to do it at the, the optimum level. And so that is what the power of me time is all about. Very, very important is to have that me time. And another chapter that's also very important, which is the theme of this show, is triumphing amidst adversity. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that chapter. Oh, certainly. First chapter. Certainly. First chapter. This is uh, something that's very close to me, very personal. This uh, chapter was birthed really when I was at uh, 17 years old. When I was 17, two weeks after I turned 17, my father passed. He had a heart attack while he was out watering our our front lawn at our home. I went out. In fact, I I found him because just 10 minutes you know, later, he was going to take me to work. I worked at Burger King. I was a senior in high school, and I, I found my father. He had had a heart attack, and we discovered that he had passed. And that was very difficult for me. But two months after that, almost two months to the day, John, I was at work at Burger King again. And I had a disagreement with one of my coworkers, and it was later in the evening. And I decided to, you know, go for a walk. I wanted to get some gum. Now, you know, looking back, retrospect, that just probably was not the wisest thing for me to do, but I did. And so I left the store and or Burger King, and I, I left and I walked down the street, and I was less than a block away from the actual uh, convenience store. At that time, I saw a man walking towards me, and he had on a trench coat, and so I stepped to the left, he did as well, and I stepped to the right, and he did, and at this time, I see a gun, and... Whoa. Yeah, and the guy, um, you know, he grabbed me, and so I I thought, like, before he grabbed me, I thought, should I run in the street because I saw this gun uh, and risk being... But it was a lot of traffic, but do I risk being hit by a car uh, and and shot? And while these thoughts are running through my mind, the, the, the guy grabs me and you know it's just I'm in a state of disbelief you know it's just like shock but he he walks me to the car a car and on the way to the car I I attempted to get different you know a few different people especially women I attempted to get their attention now it was late at night because but it's like something is wrong with this picture I have on a Burger King uniform and this guy has a trench coat something's wrong with this picture right yeah no one noticed right and um 
so I get to the car, and there are two other guys in the car, John, and it was like, this is Whoa. so not happening. It, it, it was, I, I didn't know what to expect. I did not know if I was going to make it through that, whatever was about to transpire. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was gang raped. The, 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 it was the, the three oh. guys, but the one guy, the trench coat guy, oh. coerced these other two guys, but um, that transpired. But what was interesting is after that happened, because I had on that Burger King uniform, do you know they dropped me off behind Burger King? Oh. And, I mean, I, I was really God, really, you know. And, and yeah. um, of course, I went to the police after that, went to the hospital, et cetera. But if you notice on page... 23. This is one thing I, I stated here. It says, never would I have imagined that it would be in the place of my most distressing challenge that I would receive my greatest blessing. And before that, I, I stated in the book that I joined West Angeles, which happened to be the church uh, that was right across the street from this Burger King. And oh. uh, like about two years later. And I mean, if I had not been healed, we'll say, or if the healing process uh, from this, you know, church, uh, tragic uh, uh, and devastating situation, if the healing process hadn't begun, I never would have been able to go back into that community. But honestly, that Monday, I went to school at St. Mary's, an all-girls school in Inglewood. I had to catch the bus and go right back by the area that I was abducted uh -oh. every single day of my senior year in high school. But fast forward two years, I joined the church there. And I was in that community for more than 25 years. But it's there that I met my husband, there that I got my first job after, after college from a job fair. I mean, it was so much that, so many amazing things that happened in that community. But if I had not been healed, you know, walked that heal, the process of healing, I never would have been able to go back into that community. So again, I say here, never would I have imagined that it would be in the place of my most distressing challenge that I would receive my greatest blessings. It is our natural inclination to run from or avoid people or places that cause us pain. But the place where you, where you experienced the most pain could actually be the place of your greatest blessing. For me, it has been. Even when life happens, the Lord will equip you to triumph in the midst of adversity. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Oh, goodness. Wow. What is your favorite section or chapter of the book? I would have to say one of my favorite sections is it's day 21. It's embracing your imperfections. Hmm. And as a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> this is what I say. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> recovering, right? Okay, recovering. Um, you know, I, I just realized that uh, I, I say here on page 71, as a recovering perfectionist today, I admit that I struggle with the disease of perfectionism for a great part of my life. Yes, I said disease. You see, a disease is defined as something that impairs normal functioning and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. Living with a disease of perfectionism for so many years certainly impaired normal functioning in my life, distinguishing signs and symptoms, and most definitely manifested, and they manifested as a result. And so in this chapter, I talk about when perfectionism was birthed in my life at the age of, I think about seven uh, in, in elementary school. And 
I also share just some of my imperfections, just being verbal about it. Uh, you know, like I see a therapist, I have corns. I, I, uh, at time I discount my achievements. Uh, I, you know, I talk in my sleep. I've been told. So, you know, just sharing things like that because, you know what? I'm not perfect and it's okay, right? Uh, here on page 73, Brene Brown says, um, reminds us that I'm imperfect and I'm enough. And so, in in this chapter, I just share how I not just overcame my imperfections because it's something I deal with every day. But every day I just realize that, you know what, if I don't do something perfect, that's okay. I can't compare myself with anybody else. I've just got to be prepared to do my best and then realize that's okay. I've identified you as a rapper. Rap for this show means reading a portion of your book. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to know, before we move in to get learn a little bit more about you even deeper, is there another portion you'd like to read? Another rap session? Um, let's see. In I would say, um, you know, I'm going to say, yes, your waiting is not in vain. Okay, go for it. And in this chapter... I, the scripture I start with comes from Habakkuk 2.3, and it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In this chapter, I talk about the fact that my husband and I have been married for approximately eight years. We've been trying to, uh, to conceive, and we were unable to do so. But we continue to wait and so on page 96, I'll share just a little bit about our experience. It says, Waiting, uh, wait expectantly and with faith for your manifestation. Faith is the currency of heaven, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For years after David and I were married, we tried to have a baby. For some reason, we were unable to conceive. We prayed. We invited friends and family to stand with us in prayer, and nothing happened. This was truly an opportunity for our patience and our faith to be exercised for us to witness God at work on our behalf. Even in the midst of this experience, we chose to trust that God was able to bless us and that he would. After meeting with several physicians who were unable to help us, we were finally led to Dr. Emmanuel Emba a clinical professor, OBGYN, who specializes in reproductive surgery. And so we met with him, and I go on, and after my first uh, visit with him, he discovered that I had fibroid cysts that were blocking me from conceiving. Surgery was scheduled uh, in December of 2000, and he removed 39. I'm still amazed that not one wow. physician, not one physician that I had visited prior to that who examined me was able to detect this. Whoa. Before February 15th of 2001. Now, mind you, I had the surgery December 2000, and February before February 15th of 2001, I stayed here. I was with child. I conceived. Oh. And on November 17th, 2001, Michaela Gabrielle McNeil was born. And oh, so, wow. um, you know, we waited. Again, we had been married about eight years. And it's amazing. You know, we'd heard a lot of things, uh, you know, just people mm -hmm. just uh, wanting to know, hey, when are you going to have a baby? But uh, as we oh, waited, wow. we really saw the manifestation of this was a miracle. She was our miracle. miracle. Definitely a miracle. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. My name is Joanna Hawkins. I'm calling about the book Life Happens. What I enjoy about this book is just the transparency um, of 
the things that she overcame with her dream of completing her book, and she actually did it. This woman is amazing. Her book is amazing. I recommend it to everyone. She definitely left her mark as a healer. God bless. Bye-bye. This is John P. I have a question and a favor to ask of the soon-to-be-published authors. How do you want me to refer to you on this show? Soon-to-be-published authors? Aspiring authors? Future authors? Because I want to address you in a way that lets you know that I know that you know that I know that you know you will soon finish your book. So which is it? Do me a favor. Go to pleasefinishyourbook.com and click the menu for polls and surveys or go to pleasefinishyourbook.com slash polls and make your selection. Give me your input. Let me know. Because when I started this podcast, I was a soon-to-be podcaster or a future podcaster or an aspiring podcaster. Now that I am a podcaster, those prefixes are gone. Let me know. Go to pleasefinishyourbook.com slash polls. Let me know how you would like to be addressed on this show. Thank you. Back to the show. Now, we're going to learn a little bit more about you. So, you were born in Ken, Ohio. Yes. Is that where you also grew up? I was yes, I was born in Canton and I lived in Canton, Ohio until I was 13 years old. My okay. my father uh, had a couple of heart attacks even there in Canton and the doctor told him that uh, he could not, you know, it snows in Canton. He could he needed yeah. to wa- move to a warmer climate because he could no longer shovel snow. It would just it was too much for his heart. Oh yeah. And so okay. uh, at the age of 13, my parents moved us here to Los Angeles, California. I have two older brothers who were here as well, and um, I, I started high school here. And so, I mean, this okay. is where I've, we've lived ever since. Okay. What stands out about your childhood that you really enjoyed? What stands out about my childhood? Oh, my gosh. You know, just the uh, amazing diversity of, of people that my mom and dad introduced us to as well as experiences. Um, you know, they had us, we were involved in a lot of, um, whether it was community events, just, just different functions at the home. But the thing that stands out is just the diversity of people that our parents introduced us to, I think, which has helped me now, even as an adult, in reference to my ability to interact with people from various walks of life. Nice. What did you want to be when you grew up? When I grew up, you know, I wanted to be, even as a young child, I think I wanted to be a writer. I, I, re, I read a lot, um, and, and I think I wanted to be a writer. So after high school or college, what career did you find yourself spending the most time in? After high school, well, in high school, I just, I have a major in finance. And so I thought in high school that I wanted to be a stockbroker and, you know, do the whole Wall Street (laughs) thing. I'm I'm serious. And, you know, make a million dollars by the time I'm 30, right? I I did have quite a few. I I put them as divine uh, interruptions. And that is not how my life, the the, the path that it took. But the one um, area that I've spent the most time in since high school has been in training and development. Initially, that started in banking and moved to uh, retail, uh, Nordstrom's, and now in uh, health systems, health maintenance. Mm. Yes. Okay. All right. Was there a hobby or passion that you spent most of your life doing before this book? Before this book, uh, of course, reading. I launched a, a Christian Women's Book Club, Witness, Women Inspired Through Networking Elements, Sister to Sister, uh, back in 1995. And uh, for 20 years, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary this past. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. This past September. And I've had an opportunity to really lead 
I mean, hundreds of women um, through this journey of, of reading and really uh, identifying their gifts and talents and walking in whatever it is, their purpose, you know, that God has purposed for them. And so that was one thing that I spent a great portion of my life reading and then encouraging others to encouraging others to read. Because I, I heard a statement and what sparked that, uh, I heard the statement at work one day, uh, and it was, if you wanted to hide something from black people, put it in a book. And <laughs> I, I'd never heard that before. And I was appalled. I was oh. like, oh, my gosh, someone actually, you know, not only thought that, but they actually said that. And wow. from hearing that statement, I was charged, if you will, to start a book club. And so because I, I, I didn't want that to be anyone who I came in contact with. I didn't want that to be the reality. So I launched a book club and, you know, it morphed into way more than a book club. But that is what I've done for the last 20 years. I've poured my life into not just the book club itself, but the women who I've you know, come into contact with. Great accomplishment. Thank you. Before this book, what unique talent were you the most proud of? Or are you still the most proud of? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I would actually have to say just uh, I would have to say Witness Book Club that just all of the things that we we accomplished over the past 20 years. Uh, it, it was amazing. Um, one of the things that we that I launched through the book club was a um for Mother's Day, we would take personal hygiene gift bags to women on Skid Row. And, you know, we started the first year, we got together and we were able to take 35 gift bags to women on Skid Row just to let them know that they weren't forgotten. But last year, we were able, because of donations from various corporations and just the generosity of our members, we were able to donate over 500 gift bags to women wow. on Skid Row. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a major accomplishment. Because, you know, our lives, it's just not about us. It is about us pouring into, you know, others and being an encouragement to maybe others who think they're forgotten. And so that that's a really that's one of my greatest accomplishments. So you've, you've been part of a book club. You started a book club. Mm -hmm. Which book do you wish you were the author of? Oh, it's it's entitled You Were Born for This. And mm -hmm. right now the author escapes me. But that book, I would love to have authored. One thing that stands out to me about that book is he says that every day we should wake up and just ask God, you know, how can I partner with you to be a blessing to someone else, right? Because our lives, there's something that we can say or do that really can encourage someone else. And yeah. that's one book I wish I you know, I was the author of. It's an amazing in book. It, it's a it's an encouraging book. It challenges you just to really step yeah. outside of yourself and to see how you can be a blessing to someone else and how you were born oh. for that. Hello, this is John P. On my long daily commutes in Los Angeles traffic, sometimes up to three hours a day, I listen to podcasts and audio books. Audible provides over 180,000 audiobook programs, and I've been listening to Audible since the year 2000. That was before they became an Amazon company and before smartphones were around. I had two MP3 players, one held music 
and the other MP3 player had books. And now when that MP3 player with the books was full, <laughs> I actually started burning the books onto CDs. Audible allowed us to do that. I remember ordering one book that was so big that it took 20 CDs to hold it. Now you can listen to the books on a smartphone. And that's what I do using the Audible app. You can do the exact same thing or you can listen straight from your computer. Remember when Jacquez mentioned that she had wished she had written the book You Were Born for This by Bruce Wilkinson? Well, Audible has that book and Bruce Wilkinson actually reads it himself on the Audible version. You can get that audiobook for free at pleasefinishyourbook.com slash free audiobook after starting your 30-day trial or just go to pleasefinishyourbook.com and click the Audible logo on my webpage to get started. Now back to the show. Back into your book and the mindset you had when putting the book together. So what led up to the book idea? Book idea, honestly, it was birthed from the book club. I mean, I've read, I've, we've read a, over 200 books, you know, wow. through the book club. And each month I wrote, I had a newsletter that came out monthly and I wrote an article every month. And, you know, after writing these articles and reading these books, it's like, you know what, this is, I can write a book. And mm -hmm. I, I must say it was something that did seem like the, the huge elephant in the middle of the room, right? Like, <laughs> how am I going to eat this elephant? And yeah. it, I mean, because it really seemed larger than life. But, you know, uh, I just started a little at a time. And it was, it was really as a result of the book club and my articles that I wrote every month in my newsletter. That is really how life happens with, with birth. Who motivates you to actually get moving with the book? There, there were, it was a book club and there were a few people. One person in particular was my, I'll say she's my literary or my writing mentor. And mm -hmm. she wrote the foreword for the book, Deborah Pagay. Uh, ah. Yeah, she was someone who, who kept me motivated. Also another writing mentor, Dana Freelux. Um, she is someone who kept me motivated. Uh, in fact, I took one of her courses and uh, she was my coach for about six months. And mm. so those two, those are two women uh, that stand out who really kept me motivated. During the creation of this book, how busy were you with other things? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was extremely busy. I, as I stated, I, you know, have the ministry, the book club. I'm married. And I have a, a daughter. She's 14 right now. I'm very, I was very involved in my church as well. And I just had a lot going on. In addition to the book club, we would have events annually. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, producing the, the events and working with our event coordinator, working with all of the teams. So it was just a lot that I had going on while I was writing the book. And wow. there were times when I, of course, I had to set the book to the side just in order to be able to, to do some of the other things that I needed to do. But I always went back to it. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're in the training and development industry. I can imagine how also demanding that was as well. Oh, yeah. Because I'm also in the same <laughs> industry. So. Oh, right. So, right. How can I forget that? Exactly. Because I work, you know, every day, you know, eight to five. And honestly, this was I was writing the book in the midst of our go live. <laughs> oh, and so, yes. you know, with go live, we were extremely busy. There were days at work when I would work 10 or 12 hours or, or maybe mm. even more. And so 
I, I had a lot going on and that really required a lot of me. But what I did, and I have to be honest, it, I, I had to schedule time to oh, work on the book, whether it was at lunchtime, uh, and I would do that. I would w- go to my car. I would go to a quiet place at lunch um, most, most days during the week, and I would work on the book. I would even schedule time and go to the, to the library on weekends and just spend the day there um, and work on the book. And so I was, you know, I, I was intentional, and I believe you have to be intentional if you want to get it done. It's something that you have to schedule. You can't just think that it's going to happen. So when you escape to get to the car or library and so forth, what type of tools did you use to capture those ideas to later organize them? Was it your phone? Did you have a little notepad? Mm-hmm. How it, did you? In, in the car, of course, I, I had a notepad. Uh, I did when I was out. Um, I have a notepad on my phone. And so if an idea or a quote or something, if I heard something that I felt I wanted to include in my book, I would either write it down or I would even speak it into my phone just to make sure I kept uh, or had access to that information. Also on my computer, um, I have a template of what I wanted my book to look like. And so I would work in that template. And one thing I also discovered, and, and this is one of the tips uh, that I wanted to share, and I can share it even now, is while you're writing, just write. Uh, initially, when I would write, I would start editing while I was writing. Oh, and yeah. that is a major no-no. You just want to like, brain dump. <laughs> You wanted to yeah. get the information out. And so I just did that on my laptop, just, you know, just typing, just getting the information down. During the process of writing this book, was there a doubt that just kept bubbling up to the top that made you think, ah, OK, is is this really what I should be doing? Am I really going to finish this book? What type of doubt did you have? I would say the the primary doubt that I dealt with was, is what I have to say good enough? Mm. And. You know, it does someone want to hear what I have to say? And so that was, I think, the one doubt or, and the one thing that really just kept creeping into my mind, if you will, um, throughout most of the process. And, you know, I just had to, like, actively silence that voice because it was like a voice, right? I had to silence mm-hmm. it. And it's like, yes, there is someone who wants to hear what I have to say. You know, what I've experienced, yeah. I'm not the only person who's experienced, you know, life happening. And, you know, it, I know it's something that can be an encouragement to someone else. So I, that was the doubt, but I had to fight past that doubt. What did you do for fun to escape from the busyness and the writing of this book? What I do for fun, I, I enjoy walks. Um, we, we also cycle periodically um, oh. and, and working out. I think that, that's a part of it. Of course, we travel, but just my regular escape is, is walking. Tell us about a challenging moment or major distraction during the process of writing this particular book if there was one that almost halted the whole project or just maybe slowed it down where you had to just put it away for a bit. <laughs> you know what? It's interesting you say that because actually there was a time uh, and it was, it was last year. It was almost a year ago. I met with uh, a, another author and just had her take a look at a few chapters. I just wanted to get some feedback from her. Uh, she, her, her style of writing is very different than my style. However, I you know, just wanted to chat with her. And when I met with her, some of the feedback that she shared with me caused me to think that, oh, my gosh, 
I'm going to have to start from square one, <laughs> you know, because um, <laughs> she writes from an allegorical perspective and my writing is not, you know, it's not allegories. And so she was possibly coming from her point of view, which I can understand that. But just hearing from her caused me to think, oh, my goodness, I've got to start this all over again. And honestly, wow. John, after that meeting with her, I put my manuscript in the trunk of my car. And for one month, I did not do anything. I didn't touch it. I didn't think about it. And it was literally like I heard, you know, the Lord say, what are you doing? Why, why is your manuscript in the trunk? This is something I told you to do. You know, and, and I had to, I, I pulled it back out and just, I had to, you know, resolve with my, within myself that the way I've been given to write is my style and I had to be okay with that. And so yeah. I pulled it out and literally within two months, it was with my, with the publisher. I did self-publish, but I worked with Zulan Publishing Company. And so within two months of that meeting with her, it was with that with the publishing company, and two months later, if that, I had an actual book in hand. Give us a short glimpse into what the editing process was like, because earlier you mentioned that it's uh, a really important tip is to just do a brain dump, just write it all out. For yes, I worked with three editors, one person, and, and she was also uh, Dottie, a, a friend of mine. She worked with me, and she edited chapter by chapter, and she would send it back and, okay, Jaquez, I think you need to add this, or what about this? And so she worked with me, I believe, probably, probably from late 2013 uh, editing, and then I worked with another company last year. Uh, they also edited the book, and then Zulan. That was the third editor, if you will, the third round of editing that okay. I that I had. But but my friend Dottie, who really worked with me, uh, and when I gave it to her, it wasn't in the brain dump mode. I you <laughs> know I had edited it prior to getting it to her. But um, again, initially when you're writing, you just want to get it out. Then you want to go back and then format it. And then after that, I gave it to to my first round of editing with Dottie. And, and she was a great help. The title itself, Life Happens, 30 Strategies for Triumphant Living. Mm -hmm. The title, where'd that title come from? Was this the first title? Did you start with the title and then write from that, or did it just develop over time? No, it developed over time. I, I initially thought... I wanted to write a book that was going to be like a character challenge and focus on different character traits and then, you know, how we can just have be women and men of character. And what I did, it was, it will be two years ago, last, this coming August, I had a focus group and I met with some of my friends, but women from, di from different walks of life, and I share with them my concept. I share with them, you know, the chapters and, and just what I had at that point. You know, we discuss different things. From there, the title, Life Happens, was birthed from that focus group that I had with, uh, it was about six, six friends. Now, how did you, you decide on the cover? I like that cover. You know what? Um, honestly, I hired a I hired a few uh, graphic designers or artists to you know just to design me something. And when I saw this cover, I was just you know it just spoke to to me in reference to life happening. I mean because you see it's almost like a desert, and in the midst of this dry parched land, we still see life coming from that. And so when I saw this this picture that that just fully connected with me in reference to 
Life Happening and the book. Mm. So that was it. What new skill did you gain from going through this process of finishing a book? The skill I gained through uh, going through the process of writing my book was just, I would say, the art, because it's an art to put a book together from cover to cover. And I would say that's one skill I gained because I really wasn't, even though I read over 200 books, just actually putting it together myself, that was not something I had done before. <laughs> and so uh, actually putting it together, identifying you know, where I wanted my, my prologue or my table of contents or my my endorsements, because some in some books they're in the back, you know, of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I chose to have mine in the beginning. So again, um, just putting this book together, but then being okay with how I did it, and not feeling I needed to do it exactly like someone else. Just, mm-hmm. just really releasing my creativity. How did you celebrate after this book was finally finished and available for sale? You know what, a, a, a few friends. Uh, they they had a launch party for me and oh, and nice. it was two days before my birthday and so it was really just a lot to celebrate the the release of the book as well mm-hmm. as my birthday and so it, it was just an amazing amazing celebration. Now, what one thing would you do differently for your next book? One thing I would do differently. I I had a launch team and I enlisted them, if you will, maybe about a month and a half before my book was released, I would really connect with a launch team probably about six to eight months prior to the release of the book, maybe even a year. So just to get input from them. So that is one thing I would do differently is just connect with a a group of of women and men, whoever the, the target audience is, I would connect with the launch team a little sooner. You shared already the actionable tip, and I was doing the brain dump just to get that information out Mm -hmm. first before, instead of trying to edit at the same time, which I still find myself doing from time to time, (laughs) notice that slows the process down. It does. I, I totally agree with that. Is there a word of encouragement that you could share for anyone who hasn't finished their book yet? I, I would say, you know, just continue writing. Really, when you hear the negative self-talk that is sure to come, you've got to, you've got to be able to counter that. You, you can't just only listen to that. You've got to speak who you are and who you, know, who you know you are. You know you can write this book, whatever your book is about. You, you know you have what it takes. And so uh, that, that's the one word of encouragement. I would also say, if we, if we go back to actionable tips, if you don't mind. Uh, sure, yes. In addition to uh, don't edit while you're writing, I would also say schedule writing time. Uh, I mentioned that mm-hmm. earlier. And I would say find a writing mentor or a writing coach, someone who can and, it can, and it can be a friend, like an accountability partner. Find someone who you can be accountable mm-hmm. to, who can assist you along the process. Because, again, life is going to happen. There are going to be things that will happen that will attempt to distract you. But if you have that accountability partner or if you have that coach or mentor, they can help keep you on task. What are you excited about working on next? I am I'm working on another book. Oh. I, I'm in the beginning stages, really <laughs> beginning stages, but, but I, I'm working on another book. Hello, uh, my name is Linda. The book Life Happens was an amazing book. What I enjoyed most about it was Jeff Quest uses real life testimonies from herself 
not just hypothetical situations or scenarios. Praise the Lord for this book. I've passed out over 20 copies. I've watched my 18-year-old daughter testify to friends and family that this book has helped her through her first semester of college, being out of state, being away, and she always refers back to the strategy of just breathe. No matter your, your age or gender, this book is for everyone. Okay, Jaquez, I don't know what your next book will be about, but here's an idea. Based on the answers that you gave in the icebreaker at the beginning of the show, this is what I came up with. It could be a story about a couple who met at the library and went bicycle riding along the ocean on their first date, and they eventually stopped to get some frozen yogurt and pie after a mild dinner next to the movie theater. Then the story begins to unfold when they decided to go shopping at the mall across the street from the gluten-free Waffle House. <laughs> I don't know. Jaquez, what else do you have to share with us? My name is Jaquez McNeil, the author of Life Happens, 30 Strategies for Triumphant Living. If you haven't published a book yet, please finish your book. Thank you for finishing your book, Jaquez, and thank you for sharing your message and advice with the world. For a quick review of what was covered in this episode, visit the show notes at pleasefinishyourbook.com slash 006. Take it away, Erica. Did you learn enough to help you take the next step toward finishing your book? If so, share the show and let us know by visiting pleasefinishyourbook.com and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Stitcher. Hashtag please finish your book. 